What up, what up, what up? Once again, it's your boy Tavares Ferguson, and I'm here with my co-host Byron Evans, a.k.a. Buff, and Orazio Mancarella, and we are three brothers, no sense. Buff, tell the people what's on your mind. Well, on a serious note, man, I'm a little upset at the uh, the sentencing of uh, Amber Geyer, or however you say her name, down in Texas. Only again, 10 years, so I'm a little P.O.'d by that. But, um, you know, we try to keep it light on this show as much as we can, so I won't dwell on it. But that does help me transition to I need everyone listening that knows my wife to keep the pressure on her, put the pressure on her. She has been summoned for jury duty, and I think she's going to try to think of an excuse to try not to go. And, Ferg, I gave her your take, how we need more people of color on these juries. So keep the pressure on her. Don't let her escape jury duty if she's chosen. Hit her up on social media if you know her personally. And and tab, not guilty. That's all we gotta say. Not guilty. Don't care. Not guilty. Definitely. <laughs> unless, well, you know what that unless means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rizzy, what's up with you, man? Uh, nothing, man. Um, loving life right now, man. I, it's funny, Ollie. I'm I'm a soccer coach. If y'all don't know, have um, you ever played soccer? I've never played soccer. <laughs> Barely I've watched seen, soccer. I've seen pictures of you on the on a soccer field, but I don't know if you're a coach. Yeah, yeah. I'm the uh, assistant coach for the five U six U uh, Hoover Soccer Club, and um. I just let you know, I'll be out there. I don't know what I'm doing, but, uh, you know, it, it's fun. Uh, it, it, it's fun to give back, man. I mean, the kids really enjoy it and, and looking up. So anytime you guys get a chance to get out, mentor, help out in the community, uh, let kids see us in these positions and looking up to us as coaches and stuff like that. That's a big deal, man. So y'all keep doing that if you're doing it. And if you haven't done it, uh, go out and do it. Definitely. You know, that's why I I made it a point to get involved in the Lamplighters and bring it to Houston, Texas, uh, because I think mentorship is huge and not just at the kids level. You know, it's also I think mentorship is a lifelong commitment, not only to mentor, but to also be mentored. So, you know, I've been talking to you guys about that and maybe that's a conversation for another day. But uh, keep doing what you're doing. For me, I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, this time tomorrow, I will be in Tallahassee for homecoming. I'm so excited. Can't believe it's 20 years. I feel old. Well, I'm not even say I feel old. It sounds like it was a long time ago, but I still feel young. But uh, I'm excited to see my classmates, excited, excited to see my friends. And I want to send a shout out to the class of 99. We had a goal to raise $199,999.99 to contribute to a FAMU scholarship. And we just hit our goal. So I think as far as I know, that's the largest donation any single class has given to the university thus far. So hats off to my class. Money's still rolling in. Proud of you guys. Proud to be part of it. So uh, Walt, Nikki, Everybody that was involved, great job. We're going to have a great time this weekend. By the time you guys hear this episode, I will be recovering. And hopefully I make it through homecoming 2019 safely. <laughs> and Thoughts since, I, for you <laughs> since I gave fam you that great plug, let's uh, give Anchor a plug now, fellas. 
All right, we're back. Uh, Three Brothers No Sense. And as we said on the last episode, we're going to try something a little different. So this is usually my favorite part of the episode, but I think it still will be this time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I gotta it's usually his favorite part because he gets to go first. He gets to hear his self-talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. No, I just want to make sure. I don't know what these questions are going to be. So, But I have faith in our listeners. So uh, this episode, we're allowing, we're fielding questions from the audience. So we've asked listeners to throw some questions at us and we'll try to get in as many of them as possible. So Byron, I will start with you because I think one of our big listeners, she contributes, she contributes to our dialogue and conversation all the time. So I want to start with you. What do you have for us, sir? (laughs) Okay. Well, first off, we got this. We all work in... uh, I guess you could say corporate America or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is for you too. And I, I hope everybody that's listening is, will uh, think about this question as well. But, and you know, I like two part questions. So of course, <laughs> do either of you guys do participate in code switching? And what I mean is if you have white coworkers, white supervisor, you know, is it, Hey, Tim, how's it going today? Nice to see you. But then when you get around your black people, it's like, what's up, bro? What, what's going on? Man? What's happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you change how you talk around predominantly <laughs> black people versus, you know, your white coworkers? And, well, let me let me answer that first. Then I'll come with the part two of it. You want me to jump in or you want to rise in? I, I'll I'll play it out first um, because it's funny. Uh, I actually had that question in my list to ask. Oh, so, boom, it takes one off for me anyway. Uh, so, of course, yes, yeah, all day long, every day. Uh, it, it. Do y'all remember the Key and Peele skit yes. where they, uh, the Barack Barack. Obama and he's yes. going down and he's like, "Hey, yes. sir, hey, sir, what up?" <laughs> <laughs> That, that skit was it. based off a real video too. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> yes. So we're gonna have to post that because I mean it, it's that's one of the the biggest things about minorities, or and especially I I'd, I'd even say um, strictly black people is they can really transition seamlessly in any situation, and it, it really kind of comes from being in the hood because I, if you grew up in the hood, you learned that that speech, that speech pattern, how to talk to people like that. And then when you go into that other environment, you're going to speak differently because that's, that's how they speak in that environment. You don't want to stick out. You have, you, I can't be talking jive as they say back in the seventies, uh, in, in, <laughs> job turkey. Job turkey. You know, you can't talk jive in, in the office and, 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 and be respected. So, yeah, you got to code switch. You have to be able to speak the language that makes sense. And I don't just code switch from like a, a quote unquote black speech to a white speech. I have to code switch from the army to my corporate job. So I can't go in talking about, you know, all right, here's my objective and I want to do this and I'm going to flank this and, you know, and, and Ferg, you remember when we were in Afghanistan and first sergeant was like, all right, we're about to go back in civilization. Y'all got to stop cursing. And me and Ferg was like, what the F is 
is he talking about? Like we don't curse that effing much. Like we, it was it, you. You have to code switch between those. Jenica even tells me when I come home from drill, I curse more. And so, like being able to switch between those is being able to really seamlessly go between those different environments and really be able to feel comfortable and let make people feel comfortable with you. Because if you don't do that, you're going to end up being an outlier and you're going to get ostracized. You're not going to get the promotion uh, because unfortunately they look at AAVA, African-American vernacular something, whatever the other A is in it. They look at that as less than like, if you're speaking like that, you're going to be looked upon like you're not as smart. You're and and so unfortunately you have to learn how to speak proper English and the corporate to speak the corporate speech. And you have to be able to do that in, in different industries too. So like I said about the military, but if if you're in marketing or whatever, you gotta learn how to speak in in that. For talk about sales, you gotta learn how to speak like that. If you're an engineer, you're talking differently. So you have to talk in the environment that you're in all the time. And and so yeah, I do it. Short long and short. Um yeah, I definitely do it. My current position in our sales role for our our Top, we're, I'm in a nationally national wide sales organization, um, and I'm the only black guy in our sales division in our whole. So, when I go to corporate meetings and stuff like that, I stand out, and I almost like the tip situation. I feel like I have to represent for represent for my people. You know, I. I walk a certain way. I talk a certain way. I dress a certain way just to make sure there's nothing they can say about me. And also about, I build I believe in building your brand. So when you mention Tavares Ferguson, these are things that you need to say. Um, why? Why is that so important for the reasons Rizzi said? Is it right? I, I just, I don't agree with it, but I will say at my last company, it was hilarious because we had a, a better mixture from the time I first started there to the time I left. We um, we the Black Caucus grew. So we actually still have a group group. Uh, we still text each other. BPM Black people meet. So my old manager, brilliant young lady. I mean, probably one of the smartest people I've met, especially when it comes to sales and, and the way she can navigate through a crowd, end up becoming my manager. And most of the black people in our office or in, at least in that region end up being on her team somehow. So we used to call our office, the black hole. So we go in a black hole and it went straight ethnic. I mean, it went straight. And so the hilarious thing is if a white person came in there, they were in a black hole There's no sugar coating. It's, it's like you're with us now. Like you, if you're in here, we're not about to tone it down, you know? And we would, that was like our, our safety net. We'll go in there and vent. we'll go in there and say what we need to say, you know, we can have a meeting with everybody and be extremely professional in how we address it. And then we'll go in the black hole and be like, Oh Lord, now did you, did you, did you hear what she just said? And you, you, you got to express a little better, still keeping it professional, but it was still kind of, you were able to relate and I guess get your message across a little better to the people that you were around. But uh, that's probably out of all the companies I've worked for the most comfortable just because there was a, a larger group of us, even in leadership roles. So, uh, yeah, I do it. Am I proud of it? 
I guess, I don't know. You know, I think that's a question. Are you proud of it? You know, yeah. would you tell your, you know, if you were to tell your kids, Hey, uh, when you get around these white people, make sure you, <laughs> you turn it on. Cause that's what daddy and mama do. I mean, but that's part of, that's part of the game. So, you know, we always do, all of us did it like growing up, you know, mama, uh, answer the phone and put on her white voice. Oh yeah. Oh. You know, that, that's, that's what happens. But I, I, I had a question for you. So, when y'all were in the black hole and you say, you know, if they were a, a white person or whatever came into the black hole, did they code switch? Did white might come in talking about what up? Some people would try, you know, some people would try, <laughs> but I mean, the conversations were just, it was, it was hilarious. I mean, we, we, we talked a certain way. We talked about certain things, you know, this was during the Barack presidency. This was during the uh, Trump run, you know, if you're coming in here, you're about to hear Trump bashing. You know, that's what that was about, about to happen. We get out in the regular area. We're not talking about that. You know, we get out in the, the general public. We're not talking about me not watching football. You know, it's it's like you say, you got to fit in. You don't want to cause too much of a, a ruckus or uh, to make yourself stand out unnecessarily. But also, I think you I guess you uh, is a cold switch. Yeah, yeah. You do it. It's it's playing the game and giving them a persona, like because they never get to really meet the real me. The black hole got to re- meet the real me. Code switch me is probably not the. It's not a fake version of myself, but it's just still not the real me. Like I'm giving you what you need to see and hear for me to get the job done. You'll never hear my true thoughts or uh, things like that. So. Well, if we've been talking for a while, uh, fill us in. What's your what's your take on it? So the essence of this question is based on race, obviously. But I think overall, we do some form of code switching in all aspects of life. When you first meet a woman for the first time, you know, I revert back to a lot of the Chris Rock jokes. But like you said, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their representative. You're meeting their very best version of them. And as you date them and get to know them, that's when you learn, learn the, the real version of them. So I think we all do it. Um, and Ferg, you kind of answered my second part. I was going to ask, are you proud of it? And for me, I mean, I, I don't think about it. It's just, you know, I talk with so much slang when I'm around people like you guys and stuff. For me, I hate repeating myself. So if I would have just, quote, keep it real and just talk how I always talk. I would be repeating myself all day to those white folks on Capitol Hill. Like, I'm 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 sorry, what what are you talking about? What mm-hmm. what do you why why are you calling me champ right now? I <laughs> I don't understand. So it's just it's just knowing your environment, man, and just trying to get through the day. So Ferg told me that he isn't sure if he's proud of it, Rosie. You sound like you are proud. Like, yeah, I cold switch, I play the game. I do what I got to do. Is that, am I, I right? I, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm definitely proud that I, not only that I do it, but that I can do it. So um, that's the difference. I, I, the fact that you can is, is different, you know, because everybody can't do it. Cause you've exactly. sure all been in an environment like, Oh my God, please don't let her talk. Please don't let her talk. You know, we've been in that, you know, <laughs> and, and you know what, when you asked did uh, I think I think the co-worker name was Mike. If he came in there and tried to code switch for you guys, I actually don't like when white people try to do it. It's almost offensive when they yeah. try to code switch. Yo, what up, man? You don't talk like that. Don't don't yeah. do that, bro. Yeah. Do that. Oh, but no. When they left, we probably laugh at them. You know, it's kind of <laughs> it's not like oh oh Mike's cool. It's like <laughs> he tried to be so cool. 
<laughs> you know, it's almost a joke. Like we we see through you. You I know, mean, you're, you're doing you're not, you never know though. You, you um, going back to this you, is us. This is us. Uh, last night. Um, Byron, you know, you caught up. I have you caught the, up yet? Saw you saw last first, night. Saw the first episode. I did not see last night. No spoilers. Man, this is gonna be oh, FBI. Okay. So, but well, this this is a small spoiler. But so there's a uh, there's a scene in This Is Us where um, Kevin. they're flashing back to the young kids right there at the pool and Kevin is um, singing Rex in effect and he can sing it better than Randall can Randall didn't know any of the words he know none of the words or nothing and like you know they know with some black kids and the black kids be like why your brother blacker than you (laughs) like so it might have been that he you know white Mike as uh, you know I made a joke about it but white Mike might have grown up being able to talk like that, he may have grown up listening to rap. As hip hop has expanded, so a lot of times that has said that some people talk like that. There are white kids that talk like that. Um, they may not live the 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 struggle and and grew up like we grew up, but they they that's how they talk. We can uh, talk about what was that the movie Beverly Hills um, Gangster whatever it is. No, uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, oh man. Malibu's most wanted. I was gonna say Malibu's most wanted. Hills of Malibu. Yeah, Malibu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So be rabbit. Before, before, <laughs> Don't be before we before we get to the next question, though, I do want to say there is a difference between because you mentioned um, speaking black. There is a difference between speaking white and code switching. I code switch. But I'm not talking like I don't change the pitch in my yes. voice. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, that's you what know I mean? what I mean? <laughs> so so yeah. I don't want y'all to get confused. And that's what I was gonna go at. <laughs> you know, you said champ. Like I don't think we talk that much slang where we have to really completely turn it off. Like you might have to watch what you say or make sure you're speaking the Queen's English a little more, but we're not you know, speaking ebonics, I guess for a better, a lack of a better word, you know, where we can, we know how to talk, period. And usually when we talk to each other, we're still talking. I, I mean, kids, kids learn how to code switch from the earliest of the earliest ages when you know not to cuss in front of your mama, don't you? You you mm-hmm. you, yeah. you can't hold a curse word back when you out there in your, uh, with your friends mm-hmm. on the you know y'all out there but, playing. But as soon as you walk in the house, the uh, curse word ain't coming out of your mouth. But is that a, so? That's that's a good example because going back to the second question about being proud of it, you know, are your kids doing it out of a sign of respect or they're doing it to fit in? Because if you're code switching for the wrong reason or you're code code switching, the reason I say I don't know if I'm proud of it is. We all have kids on here and we're telling to me at the end of the day, we're telling our kids not to be themselves and not to be proud of who they are. It's like you have to almost like with the black names or the hey, like you need to fit this mold to fit in at all times. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm just saying their way is better than yours or right. Or this is what you have to do. And I I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm telling them that I'm telling them that that's the majority. That's what the society is right now you need to know how to fit in if you want to be able to move in that society like you, th- that i i don't think that's a a thing of saying you're you have to lose yourself and you have to not be yourself well you know it's funny that you had this question because in another group i'm in we were talking about they posted an article about 
suits being outdated and somebody else posted a, a article about suits always will be in style and all that stuff. And one of my frat brothers is a lawyer and he always talks about going against the grain. So he'll, he'll go to a deposition, show me a deposition and like a snapback jeans and a polo. And he'll walk in and the receptionist is looking at him. Like, do you have an appointment? And he'll run into the other lawyer or something like that. And it was like, uh, is your lawyer here? Are you waiting on your lawyer? And it's like, no, dude, I am the lawyer. So he's like me being me or me dressing like me or being comfortable doesn't change my ability. Now he's in a position he can do that. And I think also to a certain extent, he uses, uses it to his advantage because they underestimate him. And then when he hits him with the, you know, the real game, they're like, I didn't expect this in this young black guy with dreads and, all this other stuff. Oh, he got his dress. But, you know, I didn't expect it was a young black guy with the, you know, the snapback and all this stuff. Um, but he he's comfortable going against the grain. He doesn't march the beat of everybody else's drum. Do we but, need more but of I'm that? Sure, but I'm sure do we, when he do, goes the in question is, do we need more? Do we need more of that? Is it the norm because everybody conforms? You know, just like sure. dress is changing, you know, 10 years ago, you had to wear a shirt and tie and suit to places. Now it's more business casual as the baby boomers are retiring and Generation X and people are taking over, you know, the workforce they ain't changing. changing. So when the millennials are taking over, no, just no the millennials, the millennials, will be, the millennials <laughs> will be uh over half of the workforce by the end of next year. So for the first time in uh, recent history, the baby boomers will not be the majority in the workforce. So we are open to more things. You know, it's just like you're seeing these articles where women are able to wear natural hair. 10, 15 years ago, it was taboo. Get a perm. Do this with your hair because that's the norm. Baby, you can't do this with your hair. And it's the same thing with that. The way we talk or code switch, are we doing this and just uh, continuing on their master plan instead of saying, you know what? They heard me the first time. They need to learn how to understand what I'm saying because I didn't say anything wrong. Maybe not all the time, but like you're you're slowly kind of getting them grown to the new world. So I might not code switch as much now. <laughs> Who's next? All right. Um I'm gonna go last question. since I always I always go first. So oh, you're not first, you're last. Um, so I'll go next. I for me. I got a question from uh, a friend of mine after, I guess, last night. So it, I got it this morning. Blackish, um, again, one of my favorite shows. And they're going through an arc now where uh, Junior, they're cutting Junior off. And the the person was like, hey, can y'all talk about supporting your kids when they grow up? you know or cutting them off like we hear so many times when my child turns 18 they out of the house and a lot of other cultures don't do that so would you cut your uh, child off when they get older how long they can stay in the house when are you actually going to force them out how how is that going to work so originally i was very sexist on this answer um (laughs) because i always said if i had a son i definitely would be pushing him out the house a lot sooner than I will uh, with my daughter, Jasmine. So she can pretty much, as long as she's doing what she's supposed to be doing, like in school or saving, be 25 and stay here if you need to, sweetheart. But if it was a, if it was a boy, hey, man, 
How much longer you got? <laughs> but I would hope if I had a son that I would um, be as enlightened as I am now. And I think there's something to that, that our culture, um, you know, is such in a rush to push our kids out. And you actually can help them set up to be successful if you let them stay, save their money, don't have to waste money on rent, can go out and purchase their first home, can can have money like um, Susie Orman always says, like have, uh, what is it, three months worth three, of emergency, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Have all that set up instead of pushing them out there to where they're starting off struggling from the, from the start because they got like a, a part-time job or an entry-level job or whatever. And, and trying to make it. So I I would like for us to kind of turn that trend. But I think we also need to look at the source on why we do that. And I think a lot of times because so many of our families struggle, you know, our parents have struggled, their parents have struggled that, hey, one, let's be honest, one less mouth to feed helps them. You know, mm-hmm. they struggle for those first 18, 19, however long you stay. So when it's time for you to go, I can I can understand where they're coming from. Where hey, you know my lights are always on. You know I can really use this financial boost by you leaving. So I'd like to see us turn that around, but I do understand why it's there. Or to or to the other point where if they're staying there, they become almost like a roommate. There's so many expectations. Well, you need to give me this much for rent, this yes. much for gas. Yada yes. yada yada. Good point. So. Um, which I'm not saying is wrong. I think, like you said, it's just it was our norm and how we grew up and how we survived. And we're just uh, replicating that. Um, and we've been doing it for generations. I'm not I don't, I'm not with allowing my kids to stay with me. I'm actually encouraging it. Okay. I think we, it should be it should be more of that where we're saying. And every kid is different. You know, you said something as long as they're willing to follow your rules. If you get to a certain age, you're not willing to follow my rules and my and hopefully I'm mature enough to understand that you're not a kid anymore. You know, there's certain allowances. I was 18 and, you know, 19. So I have to understand that you are becoming an adult. You do deserve certain freedoms. But at the end of the day, and as long as it doesn't disrupt my house. So first of all, my household, my wife is always the most important thing. So when you're in there and it's disrespecting my wife or, you know, you're 18, 19, you want to bring your little girlfriend home to the house. Like, Hey, there's hey, your girlfriend's not spending out at my house. You know, like, it's just, that's what it is. If you want that type of life, you need to live out on your own because I don't need that under my roof, disrespecting your mother. But at the same time, if you're willing to, Hey, go get a room. Um, I think one of y'all did that when y'all were young, y'all might've got a room or two. I wasn't about that life. I was going to church. I was being a good Christian young man. And Byron's not even looking at but that yeah, won't even look it. Doesn't even doesn't even dignify a response. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is there's so many benefits to that. I think we spend so much time teaching our kids how to be kids and make sure they enjoy their childhood that probably the time they need us the most transitioning into adulthood. We leave, leave them and let them find that on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, rising, I talk about college a lot. And I think one of the things that really separated us was the fact that his family, even though he was independent, his family was still really involved in his life and not for a lack of love, but maybe for a lack of knowledge and uh, knowing my parents didn't necessarily do that for me. So when I walked out of the door, 
um, at 18 to go off to the military and off to college, I was on my own from that point on. And I've been making every decision in my life, whether good or bad since then. And I don't want my kids to have to go through that. You know, it's not just financial decisions. It's things that you should be thinking about, things you should be understanding, you know, focus on school more, you know, focus on this. Hey, I know you're spending all this time with this girl. I know that you're in love, whatever the case may be. It can work, but that's not your priority right now. School should be your priority or this should be your priority. You know, you're really still instilling those things in them and helping them understand that, you know, these are the years that are going to help set you up for a future. I think 18 to 25, if you can really maximize those years, I mean, you can set yourself up. Not saying you can't uh, excel after that, but it makes a life life a lot easier if you make good decisions in your young years, uh, which I didn't necessarily do. So I'm still paying for them now. But I mean, we should encourage our kids. It's, you know, even after college, hey, once you graduate from college, the plan is if you don't have a, a job outside the city or outside of the state that's paying you X, A, B, and C, then you should move back home. Let's move back home for two to three years. Mm-hmm. You know, get a plan. Like, it's just not 18, 19. Go off to college, do, you, do your due. But it's if, hard, though, because, you know, how many people stay living on campus uh, their sophomore or their junior, senior year of college? They, are, they probably already got an apartment. Yeah. They probably already living on their own. Um, so it's very hard if somebody goes off to college to say move back home. Yeah, um, I get it. Because you know that it, it, I think, but that ability for them to be able to come back home, yeah, is the door is always open. So you know, I like you were talking about. It's the expectation for me. It's not the expectation, but it's hey, if you need to come back home, if it makes sense, let's talk through it. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. Let's, yeah. it, it, financially, it needs to make sense. Like my thing is, you're twenty three, twenty, you know, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, you know, you make good money. Like, hopefully, your girlfriend, whoever you're dating, or boyfriend has an apartment, or whatever the case may be. You can spend time with them. You know, what I'm saying is, if you get, we're in Houston, if you take a job in DC and it's paying you eighty, and you can take a job in Houston that's paying you sixty, that, and I don't know the calculation, but that twenty thousand dollar difference while paying room and board in a city like DC is not really that big of a, a boost up. Mm-hmm. But if you can come here and make 60 save up for two years, you know, it's a, it's, it's going to be tough on everybody involved and stay in the house for two years, save your money, pay off all this stuff and put yourself in a better position long, long run. Cause I've seen it done and I didn't understand it. You know, in our community, you moving back in with your family is almost like you've lost. He failed. Man, yeah, I move, yep. man. You know that I moved back in with his mama for real. I thought he was doing good. You know that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Not hey, he moved back in so that he oh. could pay all his student loans off. Yeah, uh, it, you know within the next three years and save up for a down payment on a house. So now he's twenty five with a house. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to make it sound easy because if I had a son, you know, I said uh, I started my com- comment off by saying it would be sexist, but. I think it's hard for two grown men to stay in the same house. And I just think if I had a son, once he gets 22, 23, you know, that stuff, it's like, it's going to be a lot of, you know, head. Yeah, right, same, right. same thing with my daughter, too. Like you mentioned having a guy over, like, I mean, 
know they can't use the room like that, but I also don't even want him like going and helping himself to my refrigerator. Like, <laughs> hey, 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 whoa, what you doing, player? Like, you know what I mean? So it's not easy, but I'm definitely not going to force them out. Yeah. And I, it's going to be, like I said, I think it's tough on everybody. Yeah. But it, in the long run, you know, like, it was a tough two years. Your mom and I did everything we could for you. You're off on your own. You've been able to do some investments. You, you not only you're able to buy a house, we've set you up in the next two years to buy a rental property. You know, like you're making moves rather than, oh yeah, I stay, I, I graduated, moved out on my own and helping them see the benefits. Like, Hey, like you said, you have to work around like, Hey, I don't need any dude you bring home and a cheeky bring home in my fridge. You know, they're coming over. They need to bring food or you need to buy food. You make good money. Don't go in my fridge. Yeah. You like we, we even said we were talking about me and Jenica were talking about that. And we even said we're going to charge rent, but we're not going to actually take the rent. Basically, we're going to charge rent. We'll put it in a savings account form. And that's them saving up for that down payment, whatever. So it's another way for them, one, to get used to paying a rent, paying a mortgage or whatever, if they've never done it. And two that's making them save and they don't even really know that they're saving or, or maybe be in a position to have a rental property and just, you don't make profit of it. You know, like you know, a decent size rental property, you know, you might get a condo or something or, you know, you get something, eighty ninety thousand $90,000. I don't know the mortgage on that rise. You probably could tell you, you know, but you're, you're teaching them how to, like you say, pay those bills. And if it's $500 a month, $600 a month for rent, you charge them that break even, but you're teaching them how to, pay those bills, how to do those things. You you keep at it and maybe you're putting that money aside for something, you know, Hey, here it is. You know, you stay with it for two years, pay $500 a month for two years. That is $12,000. Yep. Here's a down payment on your house. Mortgages is paid, you know, whatever the case may be or whatever the profit is. I got to think it through, but you just, you, there's, I think there's ways around it, but the big picture is just not forcing them and I think because it's not just us forcing them out for some reason in our world, the magic number is 18. You know, when you turn 18, all of a sudden you're grown. 17, you were a kid. Tomorrow, when you turn 18, <laughs> I'm grown. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man. I'm 18 years old. You know, it's like, why do we why do we tell people, yes, you're legal. But what makes them think or make why we keep pushing the fact that you're grown at 18? Yeah, because uh, you get arrested at 16, uh, especially being us. You you grown anyway for them. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, so. cool. Anything else on that one, Buff? Nah, nah, we covered it all, man. All right. Uh, so here's my question. So one of my homeboys, one of my line brothers, always talks about we just sound so such like good guys and stuff like that. And we always seem like we have the perfect answers. Dude, so he wants really? to get down to, to the nitty. Yeah, like, you know, like my wife, I love my wife, yada, yada, yada. Oh. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. He's like, sometimes we sound like our wives are sitting there with a noose around our neck when we're recording. So he's like, so let me ask you this. Oh, boy. If he gets down to the nitty gritty, indecent proposal. Uh-huh. What is that magic number for that person that sleeps beside you every night that you love so dearly to be fair game for one night? Oh. You Go know, because everybody's like, no, it's, there's not, a, there's no amount of money, you know, that can make me. And it's like, sounds great, but is there a real number? Uh, 
Everybody's leaning. Buff is, Buff is leaning back in his chair. Rizy's shaking his head. He don't know what, what, the, what the answer is. No, I, I mean, I'll tell you, there's a number. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There's a number. Um, and Come me on. and her... Me and her are going to have to have that conversation about what that number is, what makes sense. But I mean, the thing about it is we're not hurting for money. So it's not like it's it's going to be super life changing for us. I mean, it's just more money, more problems at that point. So for me, really, I don't know if it is a number, truthfully, because, you know, I can't. We talked about me being jealous. I can't even have a dream about my wife having with somebody else without like being pissed. So there's no way that I know she is laid with some other guy and she come back and we get laid up and we boot up and we cool. I mean, you talk about a decent proposal. You saw what happened in the movie like that. Dude could not take it. He couldn't handle it. And so wound up together. They got back together. Eh, yeah, that, that's Hollywood. That's Hollywood. <laughs> so, because so, all that stuff, I mean, that was real life stuff. Um, you but know, she the, could, but she could, but she could. So, I'm gonna play devil's advocate because I know what he was, but she might go out there and do it for free, though, dog. Not my wife, not my that's wife. The, ain't, ain't no dude alive. That's aight, how it always starts. So, here's the real question Is he going meet to meet? <laughs> oh man! Oh, so that makes a difference. That does make sir. a difference. Sorry, sorry. To meet, so, <laughs> sir. For five million dollars, you can you can use you have to use protection. Well, for fifteen, <laughs> that is man. Crazy. Uh, wow. Um. I uh, kind of like Razio said, I'm not sure what the number is. I do know it's a hell of a lot more than the million dollars in that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Million ain't, that ain't now. Uh, I think, though, it would, I think whatever number we accept, I think Tabitha and I would have to agree that it's probably the end of our marriage. Because <laughs> I, I just don't think it's any coming back for that. And for us to accept that, and like Razio said, he made a good point. Like we're not hurting for money. We always could use more money. That's you know, more money is always good, but we're not hurting for it. In the movie, I think they were hurting for it. Mm-hmm. So for me to accept that proposal and we're not even hurting for money, it would have to be an agreement where we'd be like, you know what? We didn't had a real good 20 years. Let's go take this money, set Jasmine up for life. We can remain friends. If I come across you in, in, you know, in travels, I'll speak and say what's up. But let's take this 30 mil a piece or something. I'm, I'm telling you, my number is so astronomical. It would never happen, whatever that number is. But I can't sit here and say that there is no number. Tabitha would probably give a perfect answer and say there's no number. But I, I, I'm calling BS on that. There's a number. There's, <laughs> there's a number. always a number. There's yeah. a number. Yeah, yeah. there's a number. <laughs> so you just don't know what that number is. I'm the same way. I mean... It's not even that I'm jealous, but my my I've, man, the way I look at my wife and the way I would not be able to look at her ever again is like, is there what is that number? Because it's almost like it's because, like I said, my homeboy's devil's advocate is like, so man, y'all lying, you know, because she can go out here and do it while you gone this weekend, you know, like it's you got nothing out of it. Not saying any broad wise are cheap, but it's still. Just being realistic, you know, hey man, nobody's hurting for cash. 
Nobody's hurting for cash. What is the difference in not hurting for cash and having $75 million in your bank, you know, bank account? It's And you said it's an astronomical number. It's a lot different from not hurting for cash and having a million dollars whole car, cold hard cash, because we can say a crazy number just to say a crazy number. But when somebody says, here's a check for a million dollars right here and there, you know, it's easy to say you would say no, but would you really? You know, and I'm the same way in my heart of hearts. I'm I'm saying no, but it's just like it's that question. Like, there's so many different factors, and you know, you say no, and you get a divorce two years from now. Anyway, it's like man, I should have took that. It's like Jenica probably say no right because there. like I'm I'm gonna call all kind of prostitutes. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be walking in the kitchen. I'm like, look at this prostitute right here. Like, because <laughs> that's all you're doing. Well, man. I'm a rich prostitute. Like, you know, like, it's, <laughs> it's so it's, I don't know what that magic number is, man. It's, I think what you guys said, because I don't remember the movie, it's been God knows how long, but I feel like, did they talk about the number? Yeah. Here? Yeah. They, they initially said no. So yeah. it was it was like dude was like a million dollars. They were like, no, no, no. And like Byron said, they they were like they start running on the hard times and and they the, they looked at the bills that was over there and everything. And they were like, let's do it. And, and I, matter of fact, I think she didn't. He said no. And she went and did it anyway or or something like that. And that, that part, I, I, I don't remember. I, really I think that's what happened. So the question here's a, I guess here's a backup question. Does it matter who it is? Yes. Like if it's like if it's some, so like if Trump coming offer that, uh, we we not getting back together. <laughs> Maybe not Trump because Trump's like the ultimate. But I'm just saying like some some random bill from accounting. You know, like you know it's some random dude that's like he's not about to do what I do. Like you know, does it make a difference? Or you see. Stennis come back out. Yeah, yeah. You know, he yeah. got bigger and badder. You you gotta size him up. Like I said, um, when I was like, Yeah, she can have friends, but he gotta be ugly. Like for, <laughs> you know, for male friends, but yeah, like um it, it's it's one of those things, man. I I, I Bill Gates. Like Byron said, it, it's we have to be under the understanding that our marriage is probably over after this. So Bill we Gates, off, we, Bill we, Gates not, off, we not staying together after this. Bill Gates off your hundred mil. It's Bill Gates. We probably gonna take it and go our separate ways at here, that point. Like hundred mil might be the number. Here, here's the better question. Oh, I went. I shouldn't even say the better question, but the question should be: What amount can be offered that you got to at least discuss it with your wife? Like you can't just dismiss it. Like they come with you with a number, you like man. Ah, I mean, let me uh, <laughs> let me let me talk to her. Let's see. So, if, so, if let, let, so, so I come to you. I ain't even gave you the, so so Byron, dog. Like you know what? I've known you for a while, bro. I've always thought your wife was attractive, dog. You know, I'm ready to make you an offer to let me sleep with her. And before you punch me in my face, I'm like, but I can offer you a hundred million right there. Ah. Uh, a hundred million is definitely a, a conversation. Uh, Twenty five. Okay, well, if I started ten mil, no to a hundred million, they lying. They yeah, lie. yeah. No, it, it, ten mil probably. Talk about. Got ten least, million. Yeah. So what would you talk about? I think that maybe that's a better question. So, do I hear five million? Not enough. Nah. Ten. Nah. 
I think I think I think it's got to be up upwards of that hundred million. Ten ten, dog. You know what? Know what is, you know what ten million is. <laughs> but if I can have thirty million, so if the office, because she gonna want her cut too. So if the office sixty, <laughs> and I get thirty, we can talk. We can talk. Would y'all stay together? See, I don't know. See, the male. I'm one of the few people. Bill Gates, though. It's, it's Bill Gates. It's not. It's not. Who is her? Who's her? Uh, her fantasy dude. Who's her? Who tell her? Yeah. I don't think she would tell me. It's probably Stringer Bell, though. It's Stringer Bell or What's that singer? Miguel. I think she likes him. She says I exaggerate, but she likes him. I mean, <laughs> Miguel might not be a problem, though. Like Miguel's so tiny. <laughs> dude, dude, like he's like, isn't he like five one or something like that? He's like, I don't know, but don't be hating on short people, man. No, I'm not talking about like a dude's tiny, tiny dude. Oh, okay. I'm he like Cat Williams five yeah, three. Yeah, he's or like Cat, Cat Williams tiny. Okay, but I'm talking about like, yeah, like if it's Idris, Idris Elba, like he coming there uh, with his accent and everything, and off you that sixty million. I, I'll probably take it because Jenica probably ain't coming back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was so, like, cool. So back. Bill Gates. So, because I, I, th- I think Idris is on Jenica's, like, you know, um, Paul Pants list listen. anyway. I'm leaving so, you listening. Anyway. Yeah, because he, yeah, because she might, he might take it to her and you might be shout 60 million. You know what's messed up, though? We we asking for all this money if a man approaches us about sleeping with our wives. Let one of our crushes. I was celebrity crushes offer. We'll accept the lowest amount. We try to talk to our wife. Hey man, Rihanna, Rihanna said eighty grand. I mean, babe. I mean, gonna probably take ten. She was like, "Go ahead, just do it. Go, go, get it out of the way." Jasmine ain't gonna get no. She ain't gonna get no uh, financial aid. You know, you sitting there. This uh, this is for the baby. This ain't for me. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious so 60 million bare minimum for our wives right right we're going for we're going for a cool 60k <laughs> we talking about 60 millions and we're going to talk to our wife but 60 grand we like hey uh you know <laughs> trying well, to talk into it I'm gonna go tell Rihanna you said no. <laughs> <I'll be back>. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take you seven hours to go tell Rihanna no. <laughs> Actually, it only took me 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of an excuse for the last six hours. <laughs> I was trying to make it look realistic. Oh man, uh that's bad, man. We've done three questions. Do we have time for one more? Or do we wanna what are we gonna do with this? I think Raz, so. you the time guy. Okay, yeah. who who has another question for us? I have another one, but I'll defer to you guys. I I was gonna ask it on a a later show, but no, go ahead. No, go go for it. All right. Well, since we're talking about relationships and what can break them up, the other question is: Do you think you could be with someone? And you know, we we try to stay away from politics on this show. But, you know, we talked about interracial dating and how that would work. Do you think you could be with someone that if you're a Democrat, that they're this far right Candace Owens, Stacey Dash Republican? Do you think you could be with someone that has opposite, like complete, complete opposite politics in your in your relationship? I don't think so. 
And, and not necessarily because of the politics of it all. I think it's because the underlying personality of that person to me. You Stacey guys, Dash. yeah, yeah, the the Stacey Dashes of the world, the especially and in, in you're talking about like the super polar opposite, right? Not like mm-hmm. we're both kind of middle of the pack. They're a Republican, yeah. I'm a Democrat, but we still kind of you know moderates uh, or whatever. But um, like if they're super duper right wing, you know, tea party type person. I I can't because I'm too into I, I'm too empathetic. And I, I, I really do say a lot of times that that right wing is truthfully a lack of empathy. Like it's all about you. You're you're when you're on that right wing, it's pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's all about individual and personal responsibility and you do whatever you're going to do. And I but really she don't loves you though. But she loves you, Rosie. She loves you. She loves me, but she, she doesn't me. love, she doesn't love the environment. She doesn't love society. <laughs> she doesn't love people in general. Like it's, it's, it's one of those things that like, she's going to be mean to the poor person that's down on their luck, like, oh, they just not working hard enough. You know what I mean? And and that just to me, I, I can't really feel it. Now, they there there may be something that, you know, they they really believe the rhetoric, but they're kind of a, a, a good person. Or I I don't want to say right when people people aren't good people. That let, let me stop there. Because that's but, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Y'all care but, about the environment, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking, we're talking. I'm not talking ninety percent of Republicans. So if you're Republican, don't feel like I'm talking about you. I am talking about the far right wing of the Republican Party, right? And and that though we we know it. They don't care about the environment. They feel like it's okay for us to dump toxic waste in the environment and everything else. They don't care about social services. They feel like, you know, nobody should be on social services. We're redistributing wealth and uh, don't tax me to let the poorest of the poor be taken care of. So they, they don't care. I mean, let's, let's just put it out there and call it what it is. And so I, 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 that doesn't sit well with me. I, I can't be with somebody who thinks like that. So, because I, I mess with Jenica all the time, I call her a Republican because she she is more conservative than way more conservative than I am, uh, and and I'm I'm fine with that. My dad's a Republican. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm not cutting my dad off because of that. But my dad's not a Tea Party super conservative like screw everybody else type person. Um, so I, that's a perfect example, really. Of yes, it can work. Uh, a Republican and a Democrat. I mean, with my dad and my mom. But it, they disagree. We can have disagreements and we can disagree on certain aspects of policy and those types of things. But when we're talking about the core of the the far right's argument, I can't roll with that. Yeah. Um, if we're going like far, far, far right, then it just doesn't work because I guess to to, to mimic you, because when I had the word debating and we're talking about stuff and I'm pretty sure you guys have done this and you kind of take a step back. And maybe you haven't done this where you're talking to somebody and you just start looking at them and it's like, are you even a good person? You know, and I've and I've been in that situation. And I mean, for one, being in the military, you see some you see a lot of far right people. And I know one instance when 
uh, our unit was almost split down the middle because you could, if there would have been an election that year, you would, you would have seen it and probably would have split mm-hmm. us even more, but you could tell who, and actually I probably unfriended a lot of those people in the last two to three years that I've been with friends, friends with for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. But, um, because of some of the rhetoric, but when you see them and you hear some of the things they say, you're like, man, like, are you really even a good person? Like, I can't believe you just said, I understand why you feel this way. Like, but as a person, how can you really believe that? You you remember the episode I was talking about, Rosie? Mm-hmm. With the, uh, we had an uh, instance in Afghanistan where some American soldiers got shot. Some uh, Afghan nationals got shot. They came in together. And some of the people in our unit, just you, their true colors were showing. You're like, this dude shot, literally shot himself in the head and shot his eyes out and is in pain. And you're making freaking jokes. And like, it's kind of like this dude is screaming in pain. It's probably like 25 years old, young guy. And you're sitting there like, how as a human do you even see anybody suffering? But when you start getting to know them more, you're like, you are that far right, you know, this is a terrorist, he's a bad person, yada, yada, yada. You start believing in the the propaganda and the rhetoric. I see why you feel this way. I understand you better by, by knowing your political views. And I can't, and I'm to this day, I haven't seen those people the same way since then. So mm-hmm. uh, to be married or dating one, no. Then the question is, what if they were far left? What if they were too far the other way? Like, I think we're still, we're still kind of middle of the road. But like far left, far right is one thing. Far left is still like, are you serious? Like you want to do what for everybody? <laughs> Come on now. Like I just um <clears throat> me personally, I don't know how like yes, I could I could be like if Tabitha's Republican, I think that could work. But like you guys say, when you start getting like to the fringe, to the far right, I don't know how you can date someone and make it to that stage of marriage exactly if if they're that far away like at some point you don't even have to you, you don't even have to necessarily talk about politics just different social issues yeah you know when they voice their opinion it's like oh that's how you feel <laughs> like, yeah oh, yeah yeah I mean, so so it can go we we've seen it in politics with uh james carville and his wife you know he worked for hillary clinton i think she worked for reagan and bush mm-hmm. and they've been married for decades man so and like Rosio, I think you said with your parents yeah so it can it can work I just think it would have to be a lot of uh, it have to be a minimum of conversations on it <laughs> and and like I said it just can't be too far to the right or like you say to the left because that can be extreme as well mm-hmm. you're a tree hugger let's go donate all our money to this charity and but um thinking dog so just as valuable as humans, stuff like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. That's hilarious. Well, that was a good. That was a good question, man. Um, so I guess being equally yoked and having similar views, at least underlying, yeah, moral values. I think that's what. Like, I have to know your morals and your sense of identity. Like, we can disagree politically, but if, like, if you just don't want to help people or you feel like every, you know, it's just, yeah. So it's been a pleasure, fellas. Uh, once again, love this show. I have fun talking to you guys every week. I look forward to it. 
my wife knows when I have a certain look in my eye that I'm getting ready for my podcast. So uh, thank you guys for being a part of it. We're getting ready to wrap up. Rizzy, tell the people what's on your mind. Yo, um, like first said, man, we appreciate all the listens, all the shares, all the likes, all the comments, all the engagement. Keep it up. We're going to keep getting better. Um, I, I, I say that every time, but truthfully, when we finish editing and I go back and I listen to the episode, it does feel like every episode is getting better and better and better. Uh, we hope y'all feel the same way. So just keep tuning in, keep listening, man, and um, let us know how you uh, what you think. Um, I started to show off on what I was mad about. I'm going to end the show on what I'm mad about. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we had a moment of silence with Victor Newman. Come to find out, that was a bold-faced lie. <laughs> He's alive, and I don't appreciate Young and the Restless running the okey-doke on me. So when he does die for real, don't look for Three Brothers No Sense to have any uh, type of moment of silence. That's it. All right. I want to thank the listeners all our supporters and people out there for taking time out of their day to listen, share, and talk to us throughout the week. Yes. You know, um, I've, I was on Facebook for maybe a year and a half, almost two years. And because of this show, I really find myself on Facebook just wanting to interact with you guys and our social media posts just want to interact with you guys constantly. So keep talking to us, keep making my day go by faster uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, once again, this is Three Brothers No Sense. I'm Tavares Ferguson. My co-host Byron, my co-host Rozzy, want to thank you. See you guys soon.